what I wanted to do until I was 15 years old. And people have often asked me, did you know that you wanted to be a scientist? No, I liked everything. I was one of these students that was like a sponge. Everything interested me, languages, history, English, and science. But when I was 15 and getting ready to enter college, my grandfather, whom I'd been very close to as a child, died of cancer. And I watched him that, all that summer, suffering and going through a terrible time, and then decided, well, I know what I want to do. I'm going to become a chemist, and I'm going to make a cure for cancer. Now, that sounds like a, a terribly foolish thing for a 15-year-old to have uh, decided. But once I had decided it, life was very simple for me. I had a goal. I knew where I was going, or at least I hoped I was going there. And everything else fit into place. And once I started to study science, I found I loved it. So it was no problem for me as far as having doubts. The doubts came when I got out of college and discovered that nobody else thought I was going to do anything. And in fact, when I went looking for a job, I was told quite bluntly that well, we've never had a woman in the lab before. We think you'd be a distracting influence. Woo! That's something you wouldn't say now, but they said it to me. And I became very discouraged that summer. I'd looked for a job all summer long. I had applied to graduate schools for graduate assistantships because we didn't have any money. And I never received an answer from any of these schools, not even a no. And so you can imagine what doubts there were in my mind. In fact, it was enough so that I went to secretarial school for six weeks and then was offered a three-month job in the a New York Hospital School of Nursing teaching laboratory biochemistry to nurses. And so that was the end of my secretarial career, and I never looked back again. But then I was out of work again, and it took... Actually, it took the Second World War to get me a job in the laboratory, which is kind of sad. I did work for a year and a half in a lab with a man that I had met at a party who was a chemist. He was willing to take me on for no money, and I did that for a year and a half. Then went to graduate school to get a master's degree in chemistry, and then taught school for high school chemistry and physics for two years. And then the war came, and suddenly people to whom I had applied two years earlier asked me to come for an interview. And I said, are you scraping the bottom of the filing cabinet? And they said, yes. <laughs> and so I got my first lab job, actually, as a food analyst, working, discovering what the acidity of pickles was and exciting things like that. And it really wasn't until 1944 that I got into a research lab. And once I was there, the doubts all disappeared because I knew I had found the right niche. I knew I didn't know I'd be successful, but I knew I was doing what I loved to do, that I had an aim of curing people. If it wasn't cancer, it was going to be other diseases. And when I finally did discover a treatment for childhood leukemia, I felt I was really on the way, and the doubts never really came back again. Okay, question please. What was the most insane, off-the-wall thing that you had to do 
to get to the successful point that you're at. I think the biggest risk I ever took was when I realized that I would have to make a choice between continuing my education to get a doctorate and staying at the job that I had finally found that I loved so much. I had started going toward the doctorate at night, commuting from my job an hour and a half to the school, an hour back home at night. I did it for two years, and then the dean said to me, you know, you can't do a doctorate on a part-time basis. If you were really serious about it, you would give up your job and go full-time. Now, it was a real risk to say, I will try to do it without the doctorate, and that's what finally happened. And it was successful, but it could have been a disaster. Because had I lost that particular job and gone somewhere else to do the kind of work I wanted, they would have required a doctorate. And so in a way, I was kind of stuck at the job I had. But on the other hand, I was learning so much and I was making such progress that it just never occurred to me. And then when I started getting honorary doctorates, I thought, okay, now I'm legally a doctor. <laughs> But now I have 25 honorary doctorates, so what do I do with that? <laughs> do they equal one PhD? We have uh, several questions here from the audience. You've been very patient, so please go ahead with your question. Matt Lindsay from Overland Park, Kansas. And um, a lot, large part of this summit is letting us, us people kind of meet our role models in society. And I was wondering, who were your role models when you were when you, before you embarked on your career? I didn't have a single role model, but I read a book just at a very critical time in my life called Microbe Hunters. And among the people in that were Louis Pasteur, who had a great deal of problem proving his theories to the establishment. But he went on and did it just the same. And I think what I got from that book for a number of scientists there, and the only female scientist that I could really point to at that point in my life was Marie Curie. And it never occurred to me that it, I could ever be a Marie Curie. But I thought maybe I could be a Louis Pasteur. And so I feel that you don't have to have a female role model. You have to have a role model for what it is you want to do. And you've got to believe you can do it. And, you know, my motto was always Admiral Farragut's model. motto. Damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, thank you. All right, we have another question over here. Student, go ahead. I was wondering, you're all women of great achievement. Uh, the traditional role model of women has been of being housewives in the house, nurturing a family. How have your great achievements affected your family development? What, sacrifice, what family sacrifices have you had to make and did you regret making those? I'm the only one on this panel that never married, never had children, and it was not planned that way. I didn't decide ahead of time that I want my career and I don't want a family. I was unfortunate in that the man I was supposed to marry died. And he died of a disease that could have been cured two years later by penicillin. 
And I never forgot that, because it said to me that what you're going to do is save lives. And I could have saved his life had I discovered penicillin. And several members of my family died of cancer. And it was always in my mind that if I can do something about this disease, then that will be my children. And the people whom I trained in my laboratory are my children. And they now are training other people, and they are my grandchildren. I don't recommend this to other people, but for me it was enough. Find the thing that makes you happy. If you do, you will succeed, and you will do, you will never feel its work. You will be, as someone said last night, being paid for something you would do for free if they ever knew it. And you can do it. You have to want it enough. You have to want it sometime to make sacrifices. You have to want it enough so that you're not hurting other people by doing it, but you can still do what you want to do, and you've got to believe it. If you believe it, there's nothing that can stop you. Thank you. And please let's show our appreciation. Yes.